But I've asked a few people to come up here and sit with me. I've asked Ken and Vicki Brown to come. And yay! I'll give him a hand. And Ken is uh, one of our deacons. And uh, they, they, they're so gracious because um, I saw them in the hallway right before service. <laughs> and also Jamie, he's one of our deacons. I would have asked Mike and Sharman, but y'all were late. So I don't know. We still may run down with a microphone, I don't know. So, And uh, if y'all just want to come up and wherever you, you're comfortable. If you want, if you'd rather have a stool, we can do that. I thought the couches were kind of nice. Um, and of course, Angela, um, Pastora. And, uh, but we also have a special guest with us, and we at least want to acknowledge her, but Diana um, from Chi Alpha Texas Tech. Um, we support her and uh, the mission that she's doing there with Calpha and Texas Tech, so it's great to have her here this morning. So did everybody get, did you get a text message? So if you didn't get one, you can go ahead and text me as well. And so just know you can, I mean, anything scripturally, biblically, um, anything like that, if you're watching online, um, you can send a text in as well. And so we'll kind of, I, I just kind of hope this works. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, we have responses. So, uh, so Helena asked what the couches are for. So we've already answered that one. That took all of 30 seconds. Um, so here's a question. And we do have microphones. Maybe if y'all kind of want to pass them out and... Huh? I know, but I, you're getting them. There's only two questions so far, so. Um, so this first question is, um, how do I know if the Holy Spirit is speaking and it's just not me? How do I know if the Holy Spirit is speaking and it's just not me? I would just say that it, I think you'll, I mean, for me, I know because if it's not, you know, something from Scripture or something that's a truth and it's something that I really want instead of what God wants, then that's usually how I tell that it's really not God. It's just me trying to make it, make you think it's God, but it's not. stronger and stronger and stronger until I listen to it. I'm like, okay, I, I'm hearing this loud and clear. You know, maybe I don't understand with my mind why the Lord is leading this direction, but I trust the voice of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jamie is right that he's never going to tell us something against Scripture. He's not going to tell you um, you need to date somebody who's not a believer. He's not going to tell you that. You know why? Because the Bible says to not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So he's not going to tell you something against scripture. He's not going to tell you, I don't know, I can't think of something else, but that was the first thing that came to my mind. But um, so if it's not against scripture, um, and 
Yeah. God is speaking to you there is always a time of going uh, there's always a question and I think that's healthy I think anytime that you have a feeling that God is talking to you that your first reaction be is this you Lord <laughs> is this you and then after that point there's always a, a time then of going Lord if this is what you're birthing in my spirit or you're speaking to my heart and it requires an from me. It requires me to do something, a response from you. You know, it's easier for me to take correction from the Lord than for me to take direction. Does that make sense? Okay, correction, I can go, sure, I can navigate that and let God lead me to prove that real quick. But if it's direction that I need to do something, um, that's a that's a bigger risk, and that's that's a little harder to do and out of my comfort zone. So then I begin to pray, Lord, show, confirm this to me. If this is you speaking to me, keep underlining this. Keep showing me this or keep telling me this. And there have been times when God has been talking to my heart and then all of a sudden I'll be sitting in the service and that will be the word coming from, you know, the pastor's choice of scripture or the word is spoken or then you know and then it, it's usually not just one it comes in from multiple places and it's almost like the lord flashes a sign and going do you get it do you get it do you get it and so then i'm very confident in going okay lord i rest in this this is really you i rest in this and i wish we were giving scripture with all these but when you pop on my chips <laughs> i'm not that good I, I just have uh, one thought is sometimes it's it's a matter of stepping out in faith. Um, it, you, you don't, you, you may not, you know, you don't hear an audible voice. It's it's a thought that comes in your mind. It's, I mean, it's like a thought that comes in your mind and, and it's direction. And, and sometimes you just say, okay, if that is you, I'll, 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 I'll try, you'll step that way. And, and then you just judge it based on the results. And, but sometimes it is just a matter of faith. That's good. I'd, I'd like to address that too. And, you know, I know this may be different, and uh, we're used to, like, preaching on, on Sunday. And I just got to be honest, I mean, when all this first happened, I was like, this, I just had to take a moment of, uh, I, you know, I think God, you know, could do something real special this morning. And so this is the way I felt I was led. But... My answer to that would be, is, is really, is looking at a scripture, and it's Romans chapter 9, verse 1. And in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I think Tony's going to try to, you're going to try to put it on the screen. Um, I mean, it's not really what this verse is talking about, but I think it really speaks something to us that shows us something. And I've shared this before, but I think many times what we do is, when we hear God speak to us, or the Holy Spirit speak to us, we do pass that off, oh, that's just me. And this scripture kind of answers about that. And as you look at it, it says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. And because, I mean, what we're seeing here is Paul is really laying ground for something. And really what Paul's about to open up his heart and say is that he's willing, in verse 2 we kind of see it, that uh, he's willing to be cursed for his brethren to know about Christ. I mean, that's kind of what's happening right here in this passage. 
But Paul says something very significant. I'm not lying. What does it say? My con- what bears witness with the Holy Spirit? My conscience. What bears witness with the Holy Spirit? So does anybody ever talk to yourself? When you talk to yourself, what does it sound like? I mean, there's sometimes it sounds like my mom, but most of the time it sounds like myself. And so, and that's where we get that from. That's why we say it's, oh, just me. Because why? Because it sounds like us. Because it's our inner voice. And so, that's where that comes from. And I think all of these answers kind of nail it. It's, it's stepping out in faith. Does it line up with Scripture? The Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to do something that is contrary to the written Word of God. Period. And I mean, I, you know, I mean that comes to divorce that comes to drugs that comes to sex that comes to i mean so many things that people are 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 gender identity i mean the holy spirit is not going to speak to us something different than what the word of god says and so that's our first test the second test would be does it bear the fruit of the spirit is it love joy peace kindness goodness gentleness and self-control that would be another test another test is is whatever god is speaking to us is it going to further and build the kingdom of god is it going to expand his kingdom and so there's ways you know kind of things we can filter through to know that the holy spirit is speaking to us but so many times what you're going to find is you're going to you're going to have to step out of the boat and you're going to you're going to have to Test the waters. Yeah. Um, another, to me, a good test is to go to godly people. And you may not have been in this long enough to know a lot of the scriptures, what it says and doesn't, but you can talk to somebody else and say, so I have this dream or I have this thing, you know, whatever it is that's going on in your heart, and um, they will help you kind of maybe navigate it. They don't always know. Um, sometimes you may have a dream that the Lord just gave you and it's not, but they'll help you navigate if it's scriptural or not. Um, you also know, so if you're in a relationship and you feel this voice of the Holy Spirit saying to get out, get out. I, I remember those, like get out, get out, get out, get out. And I was like, okay, I think the Lord's trying to tell me something. I don't know why, but I'm going to, you know, um, obviously before I was married. <laughs> and so, um, I knew that the Lord was speaking to me through that, um, and so, but when you go to somebody who's not a godly voice and you tell them, you know, I'm thinking about this, they're not going to give you godly counsel. So you have to be very careful and guarded with what you share when you, um, so when you're trying to make sure that you're hearing the voice of God. Um, and sometimes it's happening in someone else. And so that's really amazing when, when God's doing a work in two different people. That happened with Helena and um, Tanil. You know, God just kind of birthing something in them for the ladies' ministry, and um, so they kind of tag-teamed it together. And so, and sometimes, like for Paul, or Peter, in Acts 10, um, he had a vision that the gospel was also for the Gentiles. We're thankful for that. And he's, like, not understanding his dream. And, and so then, shortly right after that, there was a knock at the door, and there was a call for them to go and preach the good news to the, Jew, the Gentiles. So... That was kind of a confirmation of his dream. That's good. Uh, I want to go to this next question. Um, how do you deal with doubt that God is real? How do you deal with doubt that God is real? I think if any of us are honest, 
that we've all wrestled with that question at some point in time. They're thinking. I I remember um, being um, a senior in high school, had loved the Lord with all my heart, and uh, someone came to our youth group who was a few years older in college, and um, he gathered all our youth group up and said, um, you know, you guys are serving God now, but you're just, you're so innocent. He said, when you get in college, your, your faith will change, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand this, and um, you'll, you've got lots of questions, and so, you know, you, you, won't, you won't be walking where you're walking now with God, because it'll, it, it, it'll change your mind, and, and I was sitting there going, will it? That's interesting. And so I, I, I thought, I watched in my own life as God continued to confirm himself. The more I studied, the more I learned, the more I delved into what our world was like and what it looked like and how it was composed and how intricate it was and how involved it was and um, how personalities were and how people were. And I, I kept going, okay, this is too complex. How can anyone come into all of this and not go, this is master designed. This is master designed. This is master designed. And the Lord has proven over and over to me who he is and what he is and how he is and that he is real. Um, um, He's healed me instantly several times. He's um, ministered into my heart and my spirit. My salvation was a real experience. Uh, I have seen things that God can do that men cannot do. So I have, there, that did, I did not reach that faith crisis. I did not reach that faith crisis. I came to going, sometimes, God, you feel far away. But there was never a, a time that God was not real to me. Yeah, when I... And I do doubt God. I mean, we're all human. We do it, you know, sometimes. And when I doubt God, I just look back at what he's done in my life. You know. He took me from a real bad place. You know. So anytime I doubt him, I just look back and say, here's where you were 20 years ago and look where you are today. Without him, I wouldn't be right here. So you just... That's what I look at. I just look at the past, and of course I pray, I read my Bible, but mainly I just look at what he's done in my life over the last 20 years. And uh, I thank him for it every day. For me, my probably greatest trying of my faith was about 12 years ago when I had a vision of a very close friend of mine who um, died of cancer, but about six months before she died, I had a vision of raising her from the dead. And I, it was so strong that I finally told her it was recurring over and over again. And then I found out that her dad actually had a dream or a vision of her sitting up in her casket at her funeral. There were three different people that this happened with. And um, so that's a whole, there's a whole story with that. And I, I've even had more answers in the last month, just that I think she decided to stay, to stay in heaven, which why wouldn't we want to stay in heaven when we get there? But anyway, um, 
But after that, and she didn't raise from the dead, and I was like, did I make this whole thing up? Did I make up this whole vision? How did, how did this happen? And so I just started, it was a, like an intense internal questioning. And I want to, you to know, first of all, that, you know, in other faiths, they're taught not to even question. Like, you just don't even say anything. You don't question. But God, I mean, throughout the psalm, there were lots of questions. And um, so God's big enough to answer. And I said, God, have I made this whole thing up? It, are you even real? And um, it was like, I just started feeling like the Lord started sweeping me off my feet over and over again. Like, I would just be out walking by myself, and I would just feel suddenly the presence of God. It was just like a, a reassuring of, I'm here, I'm here, I hear you. Even though there was such frustration and not understanding, but it was like the Lord was just showing me over and over again that he was there. And, you know, just know that he really does hear us. And we can ask him those questions, and he will show you. And don't give up. Don't, don't just, like, give up at the flip of a hat. You know, just, just, um, just ask him, and he will show you that he is real. And the same thing, my salvation, my even um, just over, not just my salvation, but the forgiveness of the Lord, that it's hard for us to forgive ourselves when we've messed up but how the Lord gives us peace, and, and he, Todd was healed. Um, he had a miracle that happened, and so there's, there are different times and that the Lord, just looking back on my life and knowing that, oh, yeah, I remember when, my dad, when God told my dad something that he couldn't have known, or um, just little things that, that um, the Lord has been very real to me throughout my life. I don't want to take everybody's time, but when Pastor was asking us to do this, this has been on my heart for about three days, and I was coming down the hall when he caught me, and he said, would you do that? And I went back to the pew, and I went, I want to share this testimony. So can I do that? I said, I want to share this testimony. So a lot of you have not heard this part of my testimony, but um, when I was a senior in high school, I was, I was in a car driving to uh, babysit, and I was on a two-lane road that was going to cross a four-lane road, and they were doing construction on that four-lane road, and they were installing signal lights over it. And they had them wrapped in burlap, so you couldn't uh, see. I mean, I, people, uh, they were wrapped in burlap, but they had signal lights on the side that were being used. So when it got my turn to cross that intersection, I just crossed the intersection, and a man came coming in from out of town at highway speed, thought that those were not working. So he hadn't slowed down or anything, so he T-boned me at uh, highway speed, hit my car. This was before the days of seatbelts, and it hit me into a spin, and I had no control of the car that I felt, and I realized I was going directly spinning into that construction site. And I took my hands off the wheel, and I realized, I, and, and the, old, the first words that came out of my mouth were Jesus. I just said that one word. I says, that's all I could say. I said, Jesus. And when I did that, I, the presence of the Lord filled that vehicle I, I, uh, in a tangible way. Like, I can't even describe it, but the presence of the Lord I knew I was not alone. 
I knew he was there. I knew he was surrounding me, and I was okay. And then in my spirit, I went, I'm going home. There was this instant realization of, I'm going home. And my spirit leapt. It was for the first time I realized I've never been home. I'm homesick, and I want to go home, and I can't wait. There was no thought of, oh, wait, I'm a senior. I didn't get to graduate. Oh, wait, I didn't get to marry and have children. Oh, wait, what will my parents think? Will they miss me? None of those thoughts were in my mind. What was in my mind was I was going home and I could not wait and my spirit was leaping out of me to go. When the wreck was over and the sounds were all over, the, sen- the force of that car had sent me under the dashboard and I took the dashboard out with my knees. But I was cocooned in that car and when the policeman got me out. He said, lady, drunk people survive wrecks like this. He said, if you had hung on to that steering wheel and tried to force that car, and he said, I'm not sure what shape you'd be in, but you just went with the wreck. And so that's why it just moved me in that soft place. So people were going, oh, we're so glad you're okay. My parents came, you know, aren't you glad you're, everybody was going, But let me tell you that when the noise of that wreck stopped and I was waiting for someone to get me out, there was a deep sadness. There was a deep disappointment. And I went, oh, I didn't get to go home. Oh, oh, (laughs) oh. It's not time to go home, I guess. I guess I don't get to go home. And so I didn't express that or tell people that for a long, long, long time. But part of me knowing that God is real was that experience. And I have multiple experiences that I could put in a box and tell you. But I know that God is real. And I, I am not afraid of death because I know who loves me and who has me and who knows my name. And I don't know when I'll go home to him, but this is what I know. My spirit's going to jump and <laughs> leap because it will want to go home, and it will really go home. Thank you. I think that's, that's really good. And um, uh, I want to find it really quick because even a couple have like sent responses to some of these questions and um, Vicky's one of them Vicky kind of on our last question and she she said this you know hearing the Holy Spirit um, let me find it again is uh, the more time you spend with the father the easier it is to know the father's voice and that is so true and it's it's so true about even when it comes to our faith in God because if I'm consistently bombarded with doubt that God is real, um, you know, we really have two choices. Either I can press in and, and spend time with the Father in worship or um, not. And, and if I don't, if I pull away, that doubt is, gonna, is going to take control. And... Um, when I look, I mean, there's, and really, the, I think it's uh, Lee Strobel that says, that said, 
Um, the answer to know that God is real is in Genesis 1-1, and it's simply in the beginning God created, and that's really where it's resolved. I mean, we've got to realize that in the beginning there was a creator that uh, created creation, and that's really the focal point, but how we experience that is our relationship with him, and we all go through times, and I, you know, I remember I went through a season where it was like I felt you know, it's just, it's ebbs and flows. And I mean, I've been through seasons where I felt so close to the Lord, it was almost like a, a, an Enoch experience that, you know, Enoch walked with God and it was no more for God took him. And you're going to have times in that life. And then you're going to have times in your life where, yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's really going to confront um, experience. It's going to confront, uh, you know, encounters that you've had. It's, but, you know, what's the power of, even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. His rod and his staff, he, he comforts us. And so, I think I was, and also there was another response that, uh, about the other, the, the question about hearing the Holy Spirit is, God gives strong impression about the situation or person in need. And really, when you learn those impressions, I mean, so many times we just kind of simply ignore those impressions. Like, you know, we hear, like we're on the phone or we're texting, and we hear, and here, don't say that, or don't top that, and so many times, what do we do? We do it anyway, and then uh, regret, we regret it. <laughs> and so it's listening to those impressions, but if you're struggling with uh, uh, faith in God, uh, I would say the answer really lies in press in more. Knock more. <laughs> Ask for more. And... Um, so another question is, uh, I was trying to send them to Tony, but I'm trying to do many things at once. So um, is uh, um, how to help someone that is struggling with their faith and beliefs. And so kind of go from how when we doubt to how do we help someone else who doubts. How to help someone that is struggling with their faith and beliefs. First, just living it in front of them and um, being open and honest, sharing those, maybe when you have those weaknesses and sharing your little testimony, kind of like we just did. Um, and uh, not making them feel worse about it. I mean, just loving them through it. I was thinking the same thing, Angela, because a lot of times people that are struggling, they're not going to tell you anything. So what, what I try to do, of course I'm not perfect, but I, like I said, I try to live and show, you know, love and grace and just live my life the right way. And maybe they see that and they know that I, you know, I'm Christian, I go to church, maybe that kind of rubs them to the right direction. So... Because I know when I wasn't going to church, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, you know, it, it just happened. I mean, God just came into my life. He put people in my life, and, and he changed me. But, but I think if you just live that life, not just on Sunday morning, throughout the week, you're going to affect someone. Because that's what happened to me. Someone affected me by seeing the way they lived. And then I got interested. And then, you know, 20 years later, here I am. So we just got to show it in our daily life, no matter who's watching, because there's always going to be somebody watching 
wondering how you're the way you are. And so just, just remember that anytime you're doing anything around anyone, even people you don't know, because there's people watching. I, I think I said, you know, ultimately, um, we're beings of choice. God's given us that free will. And, you know, there's, of course, an argument that uh, how we live our life um, can, you know, make some doubt or some believe. Um, we're all fallible. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. I mean, there's no doubt, no question. But, you know, there's, we're, we're coming into a place in our culture that, is, I mean, where we've never been before. I mean, it's, you know, it's ramped up so much of, of anti-truth. I mean, really, that truth is not absolute and anti-gospel and, and so many different things. And, um, you, know, there's all, you know, there's cliches that, you know, be the Jesus that, you know, you're the only Jesus that some people see, that there's truth in that. Um, you know, loving our neighbor as ourself. Obviously, there's truth in that. There's all kinds of things. Um, and I, I think sometimes we sell the power of love short. And, I mean, really come into the place of loving people. Uh, and, and there's so much that could, I mean, sermons could be preached about, you know, how to do that. But I mean, really loving somebody beyond their choices, really loving somebody beyond their mistakes, and really, really embracing it doesn't mean that you create some codependent relationship that you don't speak truth or confront uh, a sin or anything of that nature. And, um, but we have to depend on so many things. We depend on the work and the voice of the Holy Spirit and their life. We've got to depend on, I mean, God's promise that His Word will not return void. And so, but the greatest thing we can do is no matter, because so many times, especially somebody who is falling away from their faith and choosing to walk away, they'll do so much to bring shock value to the way you believe. They will do things and say things out of shock value intentionally um, to see how you respond. And it's important in those moments when you respond that you just respond in kindness and love. That you don't react. That you're not like, you're wrong and don't you feel the flames of hell on your back? You know, I mean, you don't, we don't do that kind of stuff. We just, we love them through it. And, and, and intercede. I mean, if you really do love them, it's just not going to be about conversation. But it's going to be about your intercession for their soul. It's going to be about you going to God in prayer and contending for them that the, the blinders be lifted and that God, um, as, that, they have an op- that there's an open door and a soft heart for God to speak truth into them. So, Also, being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, He will guide us through all that. Like when to speak, when to not speak. Sometimes it's like, I know I'm supposed to talk to that person, and I, um, you just feel that the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, that you need to speak something. Sometimes... We don't need to say anything and just pray and live and love, but there are other times when we do have to speak, speak truth. And so, um, and also on, on the receiving end of that, we need to be able to listen to people when we are kind of going on, on the, like maybe we're kind of getting on shaky ground and somebody like Kathy Suttle, her sister, says, what are you doing? <laughs> and I had to listen. Uh, you're right. What am I doing? <laughs> Um, or, you know, just some, if you will listen to each other, we all need to, to be able to listen to each other. But. Yeah. 
I want to go to the next one. It's kind of a, it's kind of a heavy. Is um, how do you go about telling someone of the LGBTQ plus community about God? It's not about what, when you're sharing your testimony in your heart, it's not about where someone else is, it's about where you are and what you know. So it's not any different than sharing with your family member or your someone. The the label, it doesn't matter what the label is. What matters is, what do you know? What does your spirit tell you? And do you know, do you really know in your heart that God died for this person you're sitting across from, that he loves them with an everlasting love, that he wants the best of them, the best for them. And then the label is just the side issue. Someday, somewhere, somehow, they'll bring up the label. If that's imp- but what's the important thing is that God loves them and you can tell them what God has done in your life. Yeah, I, that's good. I, I also think that if, and I think it's probably, it impacts our younger generations far more than it does some of us. Of what, of what, I mean, it's, it's rare that I really am and in that discussion. But I'll say this, is that know what Scripture says. And so if you're going to enter into that, there, it, I mean, there are certain discussions that you get that it's, it, you know, it's really, you know, it's apologetics. It's really understanding what Scripture says. And in any of these current issues, the Bible has spoken to it centuries in advance. And so know what the Word says about uh, the LG sexuality. sexuality. Yes, thank you. Angela made it simple for me. I need that sometimes. And so know what Scripture says. I mean, know what Scripture says. And I mean, I've heard the illustration so many times. I think I first heard it from my father-in-law that uh, you know when they train Secret Service, you know about with counterfeit. They don't study all the different counterfeits. What they study is the authenticity of the actual. Note the dollar bills. They they see the perfection and know the truth, the true of it inside and out before they ever look at what the counterfeit is. And and so much can go the same with us when it comes to apologetics and discussions. And and also don't don't engage when heated arguments. I mean, if it hits that point, you know, just don't don't go there. Don't be drawn into that. And so is is one who speaks truth. There's one I want to just go to really quickly. Because I think it's important is how do you know when you're ready to be baptized? And there's a and I'll just answer that just very simply is that uh, the the key word there is ready. Scripture never says you have to be ready to be baptized. All Scripture says is once you get saved, you get baptized. And so uh, that's a, that's the best way that I know how to answer that question is that we do need an understanding of what baptism is of going down in the water. That's representing our, our identification with the Christ's crucifixion. The old man dies. We come up out of that water. It's the, the symbol of, of Christ coming out of the grave. And so we're a new man and we're a new life. And 
Um, it's our public declaration that Christ is the Lord of our life. And so when we have that simple understanding, I mean, what Scripture tells us, it's a command. It has nothing to do with of things lining up right in your life that you're at a point of ready to be baptized. You get saved, you're ready. You get saved, you're ready. Um, yeah. In Acts 2, after the, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and um, they were declaring the word of God boldly and a lot of nations, people, groups could hear and they were pricked in their heart. That means the, the, um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on them and they said, what should we do? And, he's, and re, um, in Acts 2, 38, I think, anyway, it says, um, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus and you'll be um, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So repent, be baptized. Repent, be baptized. I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple with that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I got a little more responses than I really, which is awesome. It's great. Um, I do want to talk about this one just very briefly, because I think it's one that many wonder. Um, and those that have been in the church a while and those that haven't been, I think it's a critical thing to talk about. But um, the way it's worded here is, why do people get upset about tithing? Do you tithe before gross or net? Is there different types of tithing? So really, I mean, you know, the question I guess could be really asked, I mean, what does Scripture tell us about tithing our income to the Lord? Tithe is ten percent, and the way I see it is the, the that ten percent belongs to God, and you give it to God, and it's a, um, and it's more, it's it's also a matter of faith, and you're saying God, I trust you to get me by on my ninety percent, and 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 you, it, the scripture says try God and tithe. And so you, you give the 10% and you walk it out and you see that in reality you do better on 90% with God blessing you than you do on 100% with God blessing you in a different way. Um, you know, God, God doesn't not bless you just because you don't tithe or you tithe, but it, there's a, it, he, he, he's obligated to take care of you if you tithe. Um, the question, gross or net, I, I, I have to, my, my deal there is tithe, tithe, I tithe on the gross. If you tithe on the net, I don't judge you for that. My deal is, is, is if I tithe on the gross, it obligates God to take care of the taxes and take care of uh, the government and then I don't worry about it as much. But it, weird thing in my head, but that's the way I think. I was just going to say, uh, you know, when I first got saved nearly 20 years ago, I didn't tithe. It took me a 
four or five years probably that I've started tithing. Uh, so I just want to tell anybody out there that might be a new Christian or hadn't started tithing, I'll, I'll just tell you, once I started tithing, it's like Ken said, I do better now than I did with the 100% I had that I tried to take care of. Because when you give God that 10%, and actually to me that's 10% of the 100 that's really his, because without him I wouldn't have the 100%. So anyway, when you give that 10%, you have no worries on your finances. I mean, we're all gonna struggle sometime, but it just seems like something just happens and next thing you know, your, your, your bills are paid, your rent's paid, you've got food on the table, so my deal is don't wait the five years I did. If you aren't tithing, tithe now because you're going to really see the difference immediately. It's, it's a promise from God. His 10%, like he said, he's going to take care of you. So I'm just recommending if you don't tithe, start tithing because you're going to see a difference in your life. That's good. I would say trust the Lord with all of your finances. <clears throat> so it even could, I mean, I know it's about tithing, but even with jobs, like sometimes you may have a better, I had a, a better paying job that I was going to take, and the Lord, like, held me back that I wasn't supposed to take that job, and that was right before the pandemic started. A cool thing recently, so Shaylee, so we're like, how are we going to pay for this summer? She had to take two summer classes, and we're, like, just trying to figure it out. And um, she gets online the other day. She's like, uh, I only owe $200 for my classes this summer. Six hours at tech, that's a lot. <laughs> that's $200 is not much at all because she got a, an unexpected grant and scholarship like that covered almost everything. So I'm like, okay, the Lord just continues to remind me that he's got this. If he leads, he's, gonna, he's got this. And so the same thing with tithing, you step out, he's going to take care of us. So I, um, I, th I think all those are answers, and I think it's good for somebody to speak towards this. Me, I think the reason why people get mad is because uh, there, you know, there, there's some that have this view that that's all the church is about, and I could share all the statistics about how much Jesus taught on money because he taught on money a lot, and all through all through the New Testament. And uh, I mean, but it's in short, just kind of you know some of the things they said. Number one, I have found. Well, one, one thing I believe is that, and, and it really doesn't, you know, it, it, Scripture talks about our first fruits, and so that's why I hold the belief that our 10%, our tithe, our 10% is of our gross income and, and not our net, um, because it is to be a first fruit. Um, the second thing is I have found is that uh, there are still times, you know, where it seems like that it's tested, and, and I talked about this in the parable of the sower, that whenever you receive a word from God that you're going to have a breakthrough, there's always going to be a testing to the words you receive and accept, and tithing is no different, and um, even recently, with it, uh, you know, just out of the, I mean, things still happen, you know, I mean, our alternator, I mean, I was at camp, and was trying to get ready to come home, and our alternator went out, I mean, that stuff still happens, you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's a car. It's it wears out. You know. I mean, it's um, you know. Sometimes I can't blame a blown tire on the devil because I let my tires go bald. Right. You know. I mean. Uh, but what I also found out is is when I'm faithful, and that's the key is to be faithful. You step out in faith, but when you walk in faithfulness, you can't give sporadically. And and Ken said it. I think in a in a very powerful way. 
that when you give your 10%, when you do give your tithe, that there is an obligation then set upon the Lord because he said, test me in this and see what I would do. As a matter of fact, it's the only place where he says that. He's, and what he tells us is, if you will bring that to the storehouse, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven over you, and I'm going to rebuke the devourer. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again in my life. We have actually had, when we had nothing, no money for anything whatsoever, people knock on our door and deliver us groceries. I mean, we've seen it over and over and over. We had a car breakdown once, and... I mean, no, I mean, we had knock on the door. Somebody said, I, I want to give you our car. I mean, we have had that happen four different times. We have had somebody give us a car. And what, I, what we have always done in turn is then give it. I never sell that car when we move on. I always give it because God gave it to us. So I want to I, I continue that. And so... And I believe that's why the second car happened. I believe that's why the third car happened. And I believe that's why the fourth car happened. It's because we didn't eat the seed, but we planted. And so that's just the law of sowing and reaping. Look, we're, I, you know, we're, man, there's so many. And there's so many good questions. Um, I just want to do, maybe we've got to do one, just a couple kind of quick. And um, one of them is, let me see, I think it's on my phone is uh, um, last week I preached about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's why I preached on the parable of, uh, of the Good Samaritan. How do I love someone who continues to make terrible decisions that affect others? How do I love someone who makes terrible decisions that affects others? Yeah, Angel, you're always ready. I know. <laughs> well, I guess first I would say, how did God keep loving me when I made really bad decisions? Um, and we just have to, it's back to spending time with the Lord because he will, I mean, there have been times that I've just prayed over and over again, Lord, help me love like you do. Lord, help me love like you do. Lord, help me love like you do. Because sometimes you feel like you're just in the fire and it's not easy. Um, but just, just the closer you get to the Lord, you see them through his eyes. And that they're, they're deceived. They're in darkness. And um, One of the hard things, I think, is when there is offense involved. And you're saying in this question that somebody is hurting people. And that's even harder because you have to place boundaries where you're safe and they're safe. You need to do things but still operate in love. And you can place a boundary or you can do something that keeps someone safe and still love a person who's an offender. I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but um, because we don't know what they're talking about exactly, but I, I think we get weary when the offense continues or continues or bad behavior continues or things, people say, you, you want to wash your hands, don't you? You want to just give up and go, uh, I'm through with you. I'm through with you. But you know what? God is not through with you. 
and he will give you the grace and the mercy and strength to keep being loving, but setting good boundaries. Loving, mm -hmm. setting good boundaries. That's good. Um, just really, just two more questions, and we're going to close. And one of them, I'm just going to take on my own, the last one. But uh, I just want to ask this really quick, because I think it's a good one. And there's so many. I mean, there, there was some pretty deep questions in here, so sorry we didn't get to them all. Um, I'm glad it gained momentum. It may be eight years before we do this again. But uh, is uh, just really quick, just a really quick, just quick answer, tips on how to be spiritually disciplined. Because I think it's a good question. So it's kind of just a quick answer. For, for me, it's continue routine. I mean, just like I brush my teeth, I comb my hair. Uh, uh, there's a time in the day I read God's word, and there's a time of day I talk to him specifically. And, I, and, and if I miss that, I know my spiritual man is starting to die and shrivel. And I go, what, wait, what, 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 what? Because I can tell the difference. It's a daily thing of going, just like I feed my body, I need to feed my spirit with his presence. And um, uh, Ken and I pray together at night before we sleep. And um, that's just a piece of the routine. So w when we're through praying and he goes ahead and snores because he's a guy, he can go to sleep so quickly. <laughs> and my female brain stays awake. One of the things that I do when I shut that down, though, and I shut that down, Ken and I have already prayed, but now it's me. Now it's just me and God. So in the dark, in the quiet, just me and God. I still shut down, and I recount the day and tell him thank you for all those things. Um, one thing I learned through Todd, when we, actually after we first got married, he was, he was saying, you know, when you... If you mess up, if you miss a day or two or you, whatever, then jump right back in where you were. Don't, don't spend your whole time beating yourself up. Just, if you need to repent, repent, and then let's get back in. Let's get close to the Lord. He's not like, oh, yeah, now here you are. I mean, he, he wants you back. And so, you know, if you, if you mess up or if you, whatever happened, if you overslept that morning or kids couldn't get a word in edgewise through the day, just as soon as you can get back into the Lord's presence and um, find that moment to read your Bible and pray and spend time